Summer Refreshed. I'm joined by a lovely bloke. This is Nick Collins. It's nice that with my surname being Collins and yours being Collins, Nick, there's a rough connection there. Uh, but that's the only connection I get because you are a fantastic drummer. The son of Phil Collins, uh, you've drummed and been on many a tour over many years. Bear in mind, Nick is only 21, but his CV includes his own band. We'll come across first, but obviously with Genesis and Mike and the Mechanics as well. Nick, thank you for taking your time out. It's five o'clock in the UK, which means, is it midday in Florida for you? Yes. No, thanks so much for having me. It's midday. I'm, you know, happy to be on. So thanks for having me. Is that sort of your base then? Because I know you've done a handful of gigs in the couple of years you've been together with your sorts of main musical interest, which is Better Strangers in Miami. So is that kind of the base for you and the other band members? Is that sort of the prime location for you? Yeah, I mean, the band is definitely uh, Miami-based. Me, Yang, who's the bass player, and Joey, the guitarist, we all live here, and we get together pretty frequently at our studio over here. Um, our singer's actually in Texas. It is kind of the closest thing we have to a home base. You know, obviously, since I'm going out on the road with the mechanics, it's, you know, limited amount of time to be able to do stuff before that. Hopefully, in the summer, we're, we're doing some stuff. I mean, there was some talks of doing some stuff in Europe, so that would be great. I mean, maybe some UK or Germany stuff, but we'll see what happens. Is it quite easy just sort of because of, you know, the interest which I know you'll have and, and obviously those independently as well? Is it quite accommodating between you all to kind of go, well, do you know what? I've got to take a couple of weeks off because of that. But, you know, surely when you pull all those resources together, it can only make the product of your band bigger and better. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think I'm lucky that uh, I'm in a a band with a group of guys who are very supportive, very, uh, you know, encouraging about whatever I have to do. I mean, I've been going on the road for a couple of years now and and even from the get-go because I've been in bands with uh, Yang and Joey since I was like 13 or something. (laughs) So because of that, it's never been an issue. I mean, I think at this point as well, you know, you look at it and it's like, well, it, it is also work going out on the road and I guess for lack of a better words, like paying the bills, you know what I mean? You got to do it somehow, but you're totally right. I mean, it definitely comes with its positives. You know, obviously, yeah, you're taking away time from being with the band. A lot of stuff that I've learned has come from being on the road, whether it was with my dad or with Genesis. It's You see a whole different side of the music business um, and bringing that kind of, I guess, mindset or just perspective back to... Um, my guys has has just been really helpful. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's the discipline on playing, which that was a big thing. I mean, me playing on the first with my dad's tour with his big band, like 14, 15 people or something. And, you know, that teaches you discipline on the kit and it teaches you how to be more solid, more reliable, which is, you know, I've taken that, but also just seeing how the show is set up, like seeing all the pieces of the puzzle that need to be put together. I'd like to think that from that, we as a band take a really, I guess, professional approach to just any gig, you know, even if it's just some kind of crappy little dive bar that we're just playing at, like, you know, (laughs) going at it with some, you know, like a professional attitude. But yeah, so it's definitely helped. I'm just lucky because I've heard horror stories of people who are in, you know, similar position as I am, as in like, you know, they're out doing other gigs. The bandmates are just not really receptive towards it and you know so I'm, I'm lucky that I've got a good group of guys with me better strangers in terms of the music kind of genre if you don't mind me saying Nick and obviously you know correct me but from what I've listened Rain Check is the third single which is out Foo Fighters and sort of Red Hot Chili Peppers esque am, am I correct and right in saying that's sort of the, the feel of, of the band those two are definitely big influences on us I mean more so the a bit of the older stuff and and just us as kids growing up. I mean, I grew up on Foo Fighters and Chili Peppers. You know, uh, I think now. I mean, you know, it, it the, especially with the new stuff that we're because we're currently finishing up a, an EP that we're hoping to have out soon. And I think that's kind of 
you know, you hear a bit more elements. I mean, it's definitely more us. I think a lot of the songs that we have out, it's, you know, you can really pick up on the influence rather quickly. Whereas I guess the new stuff I think is a bit more our own thing, but it's definitely taps into bands like Deftones and bands like Tool, Mars Volta, like a bit more of the heavier stuff like the Deftones, which you also kind of have that proggy psychedelic bit that we kind of picked up on from from listening to the, to those other bands. Well, I have to say from what I have heard is, is absolutely brilliant and I really, I enjoy it. I mean, one of my favourite bands is Blink-182. Uh, I've seen Blink live. You know, Travis Barker obviously is just absolutely incredible. The Chili Peppers I've seen many moons ago, probably about 15 years ago. And when you, you grow up with that kind of music and trends will change, they'll shift one way and shift back the other. But it's lovely to hear like you were saying, the inferences of these amazing bands who have set a precedent. And if you look at someone like the Foos, you know, it must be incredible to kind of go like your dad in terms of being a drummer in Nirvana and then lead singing or something like the Foos or whatever. It's amazing to sort of even have that connection, I would imagine, if you if you sat in your chair thinking of that. Absolutely. I mean, I and it's also one of those things, I mean, you know, I mean, I've listened, I mean, I try to listen to music from all over the kind of, you know, spectrum of, I mean, I guess rock, I mean, rock is my favorite genre, I guess, but, you know, there's obviously tons of other stuff. Now, at this point, I don't know, I mean, it's just part of growing up, but now I keep going back to the, like, my cutoff is kind of like the late 90s or early 2000s, because I'm like, that's just kind of the last time it felt real. You know what I mean? Because, because like, like, I mean, there's so much, <laughs> and I'm not. There's some great rock music from, you know. I mean, like, I love Royal Blood, one of my favorite bands, and you know, I'm, I'm I could go on yeah. about, about you know different lists of great bands nowadays. But it gets really polished and it gets really um, almost too perfect. Where I think the beauty of what you know, especially in the '70s, but then in the '90s, it was so, you know, it kind of had it was rough around the edges. And I think that's kind of something. At least a lot of people have kind of called you know, for example, Rain Check, they're like, oh, it's grunge. And like, I never thought about that because I'm not, you know, I'm not like a grunge guy. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody likes certain grunge bands, but that was never my thing. But I think that's mainly to do with just the approach and the the mindset of the song is more like, not angry, but it's just like in your face kind of thing as, as opposed to the <laughs> It's got a bit of warmth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think as well, it kind of goes back to saying about in the 90s and it feeling real and having that sort of grit about it, playing in those kind of dive crappy bars, it gives you the grit in your tank to go, do you know what? If you can get away with it there or you learn from it, don't you? And all those things come together to create the product, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, I remember when we yang joey and i have been playing in bands for a number of years but better strangers formed in 2020 mid covid like june of 2020 with ricky our singer you know we got together we started writing music and then we put together an ep and i call it almost like it's, it's really covid songs because it's like you've got <laughs> way too much time on your hands so you're adding 50 guitar tracks you're adding and it's very studio songs and they were good songs for sure but then the minute we started playing it live at you know venues that are either really grimy or even you know nicer venues but there's a real audience man that changed our perspective totally and and you know that first tour we did in florida completely shifted what we were like oh this is what we are going to be as a band um and the the music from you know i mean because even some of the songs that are out now i mean we wrote them like two years ago but now we're kind of way more hands-on we've been mixing our own stuff now the approach to those songs are way more not minimalist but it's like we have to be able to play this live and it, and it can't sound 
bad. It can't sound way worse than the record. You know what I mean? It's like, we've got to be able to replicate <laughs> it correctly because that was the thing is we were doing some of the songs on that first EP it just sounded weird. It sounded off because you didn't have the tons of layers or the tons of pointless little shaker in the background just to kind of, you know, it's like, because you're not going to get that live. Yeah. <laughs> so, you get yeah. one chance. <laughs> exactly. And so now, you know, and I think also just seeing what works and, and seeing a reaction from an audience does kind of go, okay, this works, that people like this kind of stuff, people like, I mean, even, even just building a set. I think a lot of bands, you know, on our first tour, it's like you go, every band kind of goes in the mindset that they think they're the Foo Fighters and they can just do some long set and people are going <laughs> to totally love it. And, you know, but then you play a show and you're like, wow, it's a total reality check. Like we have to write, make the set and, and make the songs work as best as possible for an audience to, you know, because the first time they're seeing you, for them to go back and follow you on your social media or go and listen to your music on Spotify. I mean, whatever it is, you know. You know, we're in a world and you being 21 in a world that you can consume something within 10 to 15 seconds on TikTok or just having a quick reel on Instagram. When you actually go to a gig, you are back to that reality of going, I've got an hour to consume this or 90 minutes and I can actually go back and I can look at this in a way I might have seen clips to get me to the gig. But actually, you've got to consume the whole lot. A friend of mine who's a comedian described his set as just one long reel on Instagram. And I was like, that's the best way to kind of describe it because he said I've got one chance for people to make 15 seconds of this and sell it to everybody else and I think the way if you look at it like that a real art form but it's funny what people take or what you might go oh my god I wasn't particularly thinking that bit might take off but that's a real element we can explore and I think that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing also is like, we definitely not figured out the Instagram TikTok thing. I mean, like I, I'm not on TikTok and like, I really struggle to um, get that mindset and be like, let's do a video that's going to blow up on TikTok because it never works. And I just don't know what it is. But our live show is almost our best selling point. We've always thought we're almost best as a live band. But it's also just like you said, like that is when people are, you know, you, their attention is on you and you, you know, you have longer than five, 10 seconds to win them over. <laughs> I remember one of the first shows we, cause this was back in 2021 and we did a, a show uh, up in West Palm beach in Florida. Then we did a hometown show and then we went to Jacksonville and that Jacksonville show, I'll never forget. Like there's this band who was like this big local band and they were opening for us. And realistically what we should have done is gone, let's open for you guys win your crowd over, <laughs> you guys go on. I mean, we play this show, they pack the venue, people crowd surfing, and we're all there like, dude, this is gonna be the best show ever. And we started <laughs> it and it was all right. And then we, for some reason, we were doing this David Bowie cover. Man, I'd never seen a room trickle out as fast as that. And, and it was- Oh no. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, okay. And, and for, literally it was like from that day on for the rest of the tour, the set was completely different. The approach was completely different. <laughs> Cut that song immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was the song? Did you not want to say? No, it, was, it was Moon Age Daydream, and it's a great song, and, and it was a cool cover. But I think at a rock show, when people are wanting that, they're not. And, you know, our singer whipped out the acoustic guitar, and everybody was like, "I don't know about this." You know, like you live and you learn. You know, it's 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 all part of the process, really. It is, and if you can laugh about it, that's that's the one good way. Laugh or cry, isn't it? And 
I guess in a weird way, obviously with the influence of your dad, your dad was very not serious. You know, you look at the Genesis I Can't Dance video, you know, as, as obviously just one of those legendary videos in terms of being not too serious. Do you think that's sort of something which you just inherited just by growing up with, you know, your mum, your dad and the extended family and the musician and the friends that you've met through your dad to sort of just laugh off anything that might not be going according to plan and just learn from it? Yeah, I mean, I think on that front, for sure, I mean, you know, obviously growing up seeing my dad do stuff like the Illegal Alien music video or, you know, the I Can't Dance or yeah. Jesus, He Knows Me. I mean, that that's definitely there and, and you kind of go, okay, this is this is fine. I mean, one thing is, is just playing in the industry with all these musicians, you learn that they don't take life too seriously on a, you know, they're not getting offended because mm. as soon as somebody starts to get offended, not offended is the wrong word, but offended or too serious, you can tell that, oh, maybe, you know, you're, you're trying too hard, you, the, you know, you're not being genuine. Whereas like a lot of the people, it's just like, you just have to go with the flow. And the guys in my band, we above everything, we're friends. And so we're always taking the mickey out of each other on a daily basis, just normally. So that <laughs> and everything, it's like, you know, you, you have to kind of be able to laugh at yourself. I mean, it's also like, you know, stuff like Spinal Tap. That is the mo one of the most accurate movies ever. I mean, e even if it's like not to the extreme of like you're playing, you know, you're doing Stonehenge, you're doing all that. All the subliminal stuff, it's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And you just kind of have to learn to, to laugh <laughs> at it and just accept that that's just part of the business. And it's great. I think that's some of the best part is, you know, is when you're just able to kind of realize how funny this is. And we did a, a run through Texas and getting there. I'm like, it literally now we're like, we want to make our own Spinal Tap like TV show eventually, you know, hopefully land a deal with somebody <laughs> because that whole tour was just like, this feels like we're just living through an episode, right? Of all this stuff and got to learn to accept it. You know, I mean, even comments or like fans or bad reviews or something, you're just like, it was like somebody were like put something out and somebody was like, I don't know, made this whole like remark and it was hilarious. And I was like, that was funny. Like, I mean, like, you know, sure. Like, you know, maybe hurt my feelings a little bit, but it was good. And you just have to kind of be all right <laughs> with it, you know, be okay with it. Being 21 now, Nick, and am I right in saying you were around about 14, 15 when your dad said, you know, in regards to sort of playing with him and obviously Genesis and stuff, what was it like jumping into that drummer's stool and just being like, right, okay, here we go. Uh, this is suddenly got a bit serious now, even though we just said things aren't serious. But I imagine that moment was a lovely one to be asked from your dad and, and a lovely one to actually have those memories. Yeah, I started playing a few charity shows with him for the foundation that uh, he and my mom had at the time. So that was like kind of, you know, it was like four songs or something. Uh, so that was kind of the introduction. And then we did the US Open. And I think by the time we did the US Open, I was uh, 15. From there was when my dad was like, okay, he had spoken to management and was like, I think I'm going to go back on the road. Do you want to play drums? And I was like, I mean, immediately at that point, I didn't even think about anything. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Then we started rehearsing and it was fine. And then I just remember, you know, as we got to production rehearsals and then the first show, I'm usually pretty good at not being nervous before a show, more so when it's, you know, whether it was my dad or Genesis. My band is a different story because, you, you you know, it's your project with the other guys and you're all in charge of everything. So you just weirdly feel more nervous because it's like you're it's like this is me, you know, whereas like the other stuff, it's like I just know I have to go there and play drums and do the parts correctly. But I'm sitting, you know, yeah. I get to sit on decades of music of people knowing it. And, you know, it's not like I have to worry about anything else. But that first show, I think it was in Liverpool, we did a warm-up show before we actually kicked off the tour. 
and I was so nervous. Yeah. I mean, that, that feeling of just like, okay, now we're actually doing a, a show here. And it was great. I mean, and, and from there on, it kind of, there was a different kind of when the Genesis gig came up, because that kind of started, Mike Rutherford had come out to a show uh, in America, I think it was like San Francisco in 2017. And he and my dad like mentioned, like spoke about Genesis doing something. And cause I remember my dad on the plane being like, you know, I had a conversation with Mike and, you know, we spoke about Genesis, like, would you be down? And I'm like, yes, I, absolutely. But that, you know, that was kind of the end of that conversation. But then Mike and the mechanics opened for my dad's solo thing. When we were on tour in Europe, Mike came on, did follow you, follow me with us. And that kind of started the real conversation. And then by the end of that tour, we went to London and they had a meeting about it and they agreed we were going to do it. And then, so as soon as I got asked, I mean, the pressure of that was a bit heavier just because it's like, that is total drummer music. You know what I mean? It's, you know, like it's, it's obviously, of course, you've got the songs like in the air tonight and, and all those songs of, of my dad's, but you know, with the Genesis, with the whole prog background, it was like, okay, yeah. now I, you know, I mean, I spent months preparing for it. Obviously, aside from the fact that it kept getting pushed because of COVID, by the time we finally got to play a show, it was like, I can't believe there's fans in the audience. But I remember that first show, I was really nervous. It was anxious about it. It was emotional as in, I can't believe there's 10, 15,000 people in an arena right now. I can't believe that's happening. And also just like, you know, with all the talk and, and, and it felt like, you know, you were doing, you know, it was part of something important. I mean, you know, it's like at the time I didn't realize it. I mean, at the time of the show, yeah, but I mean, like, when I was a kid, I didn't realize it, but growing up now, to be part of Genesis's last kind of lap around the field, I mean, that that was a really kind of big deal. How old were you around about this stage, then, when those conversations were happening? So, the with the first conversation for the Genesis thing, I was probably about 17, and I'm talking about when Mike, <laughs> when Mike came to the show, and then by the time we started rehearsing, I was 18. And then the tour didn't start till I was 20 <laughs> because of COVID. Um, <laughs> that would have made me nervous. Yeah. Two years waiting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was the funny thing. It was, I mean, not so much on the Genesis thing, but I remember when we started my dad's tour, he would introduce, you know, you'd introduce the band and he would introduce me as, you know, my 16 year old son, Nick. And it was like tons of clapping. But as every year got older, the clapping got a bit, it's just like, oh, I mean, I, you know, by the end of it, it's like, he's 18. I mean, this is, you know, it's like, you know, he's an adult now. Yeah, yeah. And now, it's like he's, now I'm 21. He doesn't even mention my age. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, you know, there, it, 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 that, that was pretty funny throughout the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, it was, I never felt like I wasn't kind of ready for it. I'm talking about Genesis. Cause obviously for my dad, there was that kind of like, you know, when people were being like, oh, I mean, I don't know, 16's a bit young. And like, I'm like, yeah, you kind of totally have a point because I didn't even know if I was ready at that point. But obviously for the Genesis thing, it's like, I knew I could handle it. It was more just the expectation that, you know, I know that their fans are hardcore, you know what I mean? And to be able to play it the best way as possible so that the people who are going to the show come out of it feeling fulfilled and, and happy that they got to experience it. Um, there definitely was a bit of pressure there, but honestly, we, you know, we did so much rehearsing and, and the guys in the band are just super welcoming, super normal. I mean, I, that was a big thing is I could relate to the guys in Genesis a lot because they're songwriters and they're not theory masters where they're just kind of like, they're very natural musicians. And I kind of, that's where I'm at. I'm not really knowledgeable on the theory side. So to be able to see them function as a band and to also even see my dad in a band context, as opposed to as a solo career and, you know, me being in a band, it's like, I'm like, Oh, I totally get what 
this is, you know what I mean? And, and obviously Daryl, who's been their touring guitarist and, and bass player for, you know, 40 something years. So super helpful because the guy is like, you know, the Genesis encyclopedia. I mean, like any part he knew. <laughs> and if, you know, if I was worried at any point, I would just look over to him. And if he gives me the nod, it's like, okay, we're fine. But if, if you didn't get that nod, it's yeah, like, like uh, okay. oh, if, the, if the nod yeah. wasn't there, though, you just knew a train wreck was about to happen. And, you know. <laughs> the, key, the key was always you know, stick well, with Daryl. Seek his approval yeah. over your dad's. Exactly. <laughs> Daryl over dad. Because I know there was a quote from Mike who's actually said he was more of a, a writer than a player. Um, just picking up on that point there, Nick, in regards to if you hadn't got actually the nod from Daryl and, and other people. I know from, I've seen an interview with Lily, your sister, and she said on Jimmy Kimmel that she remembers, obviously, and you would have got used to it as she did. It was Phil and then it was dad you know there was a, a definite difference between the two on stage and obviously off stage but i'm right in saying that uh, your dad was never really afraid to um to tell you if anything was going wrong on stage he, he would often speak up wouldn't he it was very much like he might introduce you as 16 year old nick for the sake of argument but if, if you did something wrong you'd know about it afterwards 100 percent. yeah and then that was the thing that i appreciated on his end it was i was so glad that he never treated me any different on stage or in rehearsals because like I was just the drummer of the band and so if there was something wrong it was too slow too fast Phil he didn't like or Phil that was supposed to be there that wasn't there he was he would tell me straight away and he you know I mean obviously afterwards and or or just aside from the stage he's you know is a totally different person uh not totally different person that's the wrong way to say it. I just mean like he's just my dad it's not you know, Phil Collins, yeah. the, the legendary singer, you know what I mean? Like it's always been a super normal down to earth guy. And, and that's something that I'm really grateful I got to grow up around because, you know, you see a lot of people where when you're kind of growing up in this lifestyle or, you know, with this background, my dad always made sure like almost teach me what real life is, you know what I mean? And, and I'm really grateful for that. And it's like when, you know, whenever somebody asks me like, what's it like to have Phil Collins as your dad? I'm like, well, you have a dad. It's the same thing. It's literally, there is no difference. <laughs> On stage or in rehearsals, yeah, I mean, he was he was totally, you know, if there was something, and I encouraged it. I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and just be kind of here out of pity or just like, you know, as a token, the son of. I, I wanted yeah, No, to, you've earned it. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to do the gig to the best of my abilities. And so if that meant him telling me something, I mean, obviously, thank God that by the end of his tour, but definitely for most of the Genesis stuff, I'd made sure to do as much homework as I could. So that that wasn't really needed, even if there was something. I mean, I, th yeah, there's always this funny story of when Mike and my, you know, we'd finished a song and Mike was like, oh, that was a bit slow. Can you speed it up? I sped it up. And then my dad was like, that was a bit fast. Can you slow it down? You know, <laughs> it's just like trying to kind of find the middle ground. What did Daryl say? <laughs> Daryl was like, it was fine <laughs> the first time, you know what I mean? <laughs> Overrules everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's always the thing. It's like, you know, you look at Daryl, it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, I mean, just, just. He's, he's used to, I mean, he, I, there's times I remember where Mike and Tony would start talking about, you know, whatever structure of medley or whatever. And I had no idea what they were saying. I mean, they were speaking English, but like, I could not, it was like this bond that they've had for 50 <laughs> years where they could understand each other. I'm there looking at Daryl. I'm like, are you picking up on any of this? Like, you know, it's like, and then the conversation was like, okay, well, let's run it. And I'm like, let's run what? I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Can someone text me that, please? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this um, obviously makes it exciting now, knowing behind the scenes, because not just content with your band, uh, Better Strangers, obviously the Genesis tour, but moving on to Mike and the Mechanics, there's over 60 dates. I think it's about 64 dates, 12th of April to the 28th of May, you working with Mike and Mechanics also on the CV, Nick. So is it exciting to know that you've got that tour coming up in the UK? Absolutely, yeah. I'm excited to get back on the road, back over in Europe as well some cool venues i mean i'm really looking forward to just playing different places i mean lots of places we haven't played for mike to to ask me to be part of the mechanics for this tour was was really nice and felt really good to um to kind of gotten his approval on that but also just the rest of the guys in the mechanics are super cool sweet guys like i said when they opened for uh the not dead yet tour back in 2019 i got to spend a little bit of time with them so it's not going to feel like too kind of like you're stepping into something that you're not really familiar with like really super great guys welcoming and so it should be good fun i mean the, the you know some great songs and um it's a fun show being able to to see their set before a lot of the shows was just you know it's it's helped me be more familiar with the music when it come when it's coming to like preparing for it and everything the Living Years is one of my mum's all-time favourite songs and I think she's been happy and sad to that song over many years. I grew up with Genesis, with your dad's solo work, Mike and the Mechanics, uh, amongst lots of lots of stuff and over my shoulder there's some amazing tunes which are legendary in their own right and you chuck Mike into Genesis you just kind of think this is just incredible to think of the talent what came out of Genesis and obviously Peter Gabriel as well and I guess for Mike as well just to, to focus on the latter part of of his career must just be really special but with a hint to to what's gone on in the past and if you're that connection or anybody else who's worked with the band for 40 years I imagine that's absolutely lovely to be a part of yeah for sure doing the tour and spending just more time with Mike by default uh, you know it's just to to kind of keep that going is is, is really nice I mean you know it's it, they're, like I said they're all of them I mean and, and now I'm even talking about Mike and Tony obviously my dad but <laughs> Mike and Tony's really great group of guys fun to be around there's no kind of rock and roll bs of like what the movies make it out to be like it's they're just normal people normal guys and it's just it's like you know we'd finish the show and what we we're just gonna have dinner maybe have a few drinks and then back to the hotel there is no kind of you know rock and roll blow and hookers in the back you know what i mean there's none of that and and so it's just <laughs> so and it's just like it's one of those things of like you know it's this expectation that you know people have of like oh you know touring rock and roll and and all this stuff and it's like no i mean it's just you're just touring with a bunch of normal guys it's it's, it's just like there is no kind of it's not superficial or 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 anything I had a question on here. It's like you read my mind. I didn't actually use the word hooker or blow. I won't lie to you there, but uh, I was going to say, was there some... um no, it's okay. Don't worry. I'm going to leave that right in. <laughs> I'm going to amplify it. <laughs> was there any stories that came out where you were kind of going, hang on a minute, like maybe this story shouldn't happen because my dad's over there or you don't want him knowing something about you? Do you ever sort of, did anyone ever forget that there was actually father and son in the room there at any stage? Or did you just go la, 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 la and walk out the room and anything was heard that you didn't want it to know? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you pick up on a few stories. You also grow up, so you just kind of assume you know, certain things. I'm not going to go into detail because, but because, you know, <laughs> those aren't my stories to tell. <laughs> you can tell me when we stop recording. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just, you just learn. And I, I look at it in a kind of realistic way of like, you know, of all, of all the stuff these, these guys have been through. And to be honest, it's like, you know, I've, I was born in 2001. 
all of Genesis was all before that. There's so much stuff that they've experienced together that I don't know about my dad or, or obviously now I know, but like I didn't experience. It's a whole different, you know, the relationship or the time that I've known my dad, he was not 25, you know, 19 or wherever, yeah. like going through all that. So to just sit there and obviously, like I said, see my band and my dad in a band context, but also see my dad hanging with his friends that he's been friends with for 50 years was really sweet and really emotional to kind of just be like, man, like this is like, as much as I think I know you, like this is 50 years worth of friendship, but like you can be close as friends, but then when you're in a band together and you're spending all that time together, you're writing records, you're doing all this, you're going through the highs and the lows because the highs can be really high, but I'm sure the lows, I mean, at least for me personally speaking with my band, the lows are extremely low. So I can't even imagine what they were kind of going through. So there is that kind of bond that's there. Um, so you just kind of learn to appreciate it. I mean, you know, every now and then somebody will throw a story. And I'm like, wow, that was pretty intense. Don't know if I needed to know that about my dad or something like that. <laughs> or, But, you know, it's all kind of good fun and, and part of growing up as well of just being like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, that's normal now, you know. And showcasing, obviously, not the stories that you can't share, but the music, obviously, you can. Drumeo online, so it's um, it's a phenomenal website, and I've, I've caught a couple of different things you've done. There's some amazing stuff on there. There was a post on there when you were obviously playing some of your dad's back catalogue, obviously sharing all the kind of musical inferences from your current band to obviously everything else that you like. And one of the quotes, what stood out, is it making it your own. So taking that inspiration and making it your own. But I imagine it's, it's lovely to sit and do a podcast interview with a drum kit in front of you every now and then you know a little rift comes in and then a conversation starts I thought that was a, a lovely watch is it nice when doing a podcast with fellow musicians who know exactly what a snare drum is <laughs> no for sure I mean that was that was great I mean the whole drumio shoot we spent some time in, in Switzerland and I got to sit down with my dad for two days bothering him about pretty much his entire drumming musical career I, I guess I interviewed him pretty much. And we just had this great conversation. And it was like the first time that I'm like, you can't even escape these questions. Now I'm going to spend the next eight hours <laughs> going from, you know, nursery crime all the way to, to I know where you live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I mean, the big thing for me is I went into it being like, I did not write these parts. You know, these aren't mine. I'm simply somebody who studied a lot of these parts, trying to put them back out there so people can revisit that music. Because I think there's a lot of, generally, I think my dad is a drummer, sometimes not a lot of people realize the stuff that he did play and, and, and just how much of an impact he had as a drummer. The certain songs and the parts, like to be able to kind of showcase that to an audience that may not have been familiar with it or people that were familiar that got to revisit it, that was kind of really the angle that I was kind of going for. You know, I was teaching the parts, but I also wasn't coming at it from an angle of being like, because I didn't play it in the studio, you know what I mean? Like I just had to just analyze it and study it. It was a really cool tree. I mean, we basically shot an entire course of 40 Genesis and Phil Collins songs, a few Brandex songs. There's all these breakdowns about how to play certain parts. There's all these transcriptions, a few playthroughs. So it was, it, it was a lot of work and, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I, after that I needed a bit of a Genesis break um, after that, because that was, you know, a couple of months <laughs> of my life where it was like every day was, you know, all these prog songs and I just needed to kind of take a step back afterwards. But it was super fun to do as we were kind of shooting it. And, you know, the guys over at Drumio are great. I mean, Brandon and Jared and, and the rest of the crew, they're just a really cool group of guys. And it is also one of those things of a few drummers are different, but I'm kind of the crop of drummers that is heavy drum nerd. 
So when you're just basically spending a bunch of time with a bunch of other <laughs> drum nerds and you're just talking about drums the whole time, like, you know, it was a good hang. It was really fun. If you are listening to this now, thinking about that career or extending your hobby as, you know, as a drummer, Drumio is, is fantastic. It looks amazing. Nick, I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but I just kind of wanted to mention, speaking about your dad and obviously the back catalogue, there was an amazing performance, which I only discovered, I think, last year but there's a cracking video on youtube it's a 1990 performance your dad did in berlin and there's a particular song another day in paradise which i stumbled across it looks phenomenal because it's it shot on a camcorder you've got that really old school look to it there's people in the audience who have got sparklers just waving them about the vocals of your dad are absolutely on point and like i said that was recorded give or take from from what i can establish about 11 years before you were born you say if you're rehearsing for drumio you're going to be watching those performances and you know inhaling as much as you can from an outsider point of view but also like how how young were you when you ended up with a pair of sticks in your hand for the first time yeah i mean i i mean it's kind of as soon as i came back from the hospital you know my dad had me on his lap you know just feeling around the drums. i mean there's these videos of me just like you know bare like the stick is bigger than me and i'm just trying to kind of hold it and do as much as i can i mean it was always there it was never forced upon me which was good i just was naturally kind of really attracted to the idea of the drums and and i loved how loud it was but i think a big thing that helped was that in 2004 when my dad did his final farewell tour at the time, which, you know, we then eventually did another <laughs> farewell tour. That's that's the issue with farewell <laughs> tours, you know, they never end. Yeah, you know, everyone wants more. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like, you know, some people have been on their farewell tours for like six years or something. Elton John. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to name any names. But I think from, from uh, being on tour, obviously just watching it at such a young age and seeing, you know, my dad perform, it was like, like, I don't think had I had that, maybe I would have been as attracted to the idea of being a musician. But being able to see a connection that an artist can have with fans and with a room full of people that kind of created that spark uh, in it. So, like, really played drums kind of from since I've been three years old of, like, having my own little kind of kit. I stumbled upon a bunch of really great old family videos of, of just me kind of picking up the drums. And it was kind of always there. It was just every minute that I could, I would go and play it. And then, you know, and then it just turned into more of a hobby because I, I started getting really into football and I started playing quite frequently. But then I moved to Miami and I'm like, you know, I realized I'm not that good at football. So I was like, maybe I should take this drumming thing really more seriously. And then from there <laughs> on, it's just kind of, you know, I haven't looked back really. So to kind of touch upon your point about that old stuff, that was kind of super key. Obviously seeing the final farewell tour, which helped on a song structure level of that was the most recent thing they'd done. But also going back through all the videos and seeing the different versions of the songs and kind of trying to pick up the best bits from the live versions, the studio version. I did that with Genesis as well. And then I doing that with the mechanics as well of, of just trying to make sure that kind of taking as much information as possible and kind of get the best bits for when we have to kind of play them seeing kind of the different versions because obviously when i was a kid all that existed was the final farewell tour like that was what i was playing or the genesis 2007 tour was what i was listening to and then so being able to go back and it's like i didn't even have a a kind of seconds out obsession until almost after the tour was done and so it's kind of like different things kind of hit you at different times of ah i should have thrown this fill in but (laughs) it is what it is you know well, you were saying there about being a footballer, in a way, maybe, thank God, that didn't work out for um, fans of music. But in the Collins name, and obviously it's it's very rare that you do an interview when you share someone who's got the same surname. But vocation-wise, Nick, musician, 
artist, writer, designer, teacher, or salesman, apparently, are what the Collins clan would go in. So if it all goes to pot, maybe you can jump down to the nearest dealership and flog a few Teslas or something. You never know. That could be something for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all else fails. <laughs> which I don't think it will in any way, shape, or form. Well, Nick, I wish you all the best. You play Usher Hall, which I kid you not, is around about a 15-minute walk from my front door. It's uh, just by the castle. It's a fantastic venue for when you play Scotland and it, it's worth just saying in terms of your Insta all the details from all the bands you're in it's at Nick N-I-C underscore Collins on Instagram for better strangers Nick I know you did the Isle of Wight last year and you hinted at the top of the interview in terms of coming back and doing some more dates throughout Europe so uh, I reckon that's just going to go from strength to strength I wish you all the best with your own band and all, all the endeavours as well you do Nick it's uh, all that and age 21 mate I, uh, I'm close to 40 I can't compete oh, no, thanks very much that's very kind and and yeah I mean hopefully we can make it you know it's obviously there's all these kind of different pieces to the puzzle that need to work out since we're all based all the way over here but the UK was a great time last year and so hopefully we can make it out but if not, I mean, I'll see you on the road of the mechanics either way, so. It'll be great to catch up again because I honestly feel I could talk to you for absolutely ages. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, sounds good. Nick, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is Summer Refreshed.